Morning, everyone. Um, yeah, I think just as David's sharing that, I'm just going to take you back uh, really quickly to the triangle that we talked about. Um, and so I think it's really important for us that we continue to remember our relationship, uh, our relationship with God upward, relationship with one another inward, and our relationship with the community and those around us outward. And we want to we want to live lives individually and corporately that has the right balance of all three of those. Um, and so David's talking a wee bit. The stories that David's talking about this morning are those that are focused outward. But I think those it's because of the right balance of relationship with him upward. I think we've got that right balance. If we caught his heart at all, we inevi- inevitably love one another. And we inevitably cannot but the overflow of what he's done and spoken to us and in us inevitably takes, uh, brings us good news, beautiful feet, taking good news out onto the, out onto the streets. And the end, the end continues to be really important because we're talking about missional this morning. And one of the most sure, the most, one of the most, uh, the most confident ways of being missional, Jesus offers us several times in the Gospel of John. You want the world to know. You want the world to know that it's that Jesus came. You want the world to know who He truly is. It's in loving one another. And so, so for David to to again highlight those that are right now serving all of us out of love or serving the kids, uh, it's really important. We're loving one another really well, and the idea, like the idea of, of of mission, is of course it's to go. But if we haven't first of all worked that out here, um, I think we we're we're not as effective whenever we take that out. And so we're wanting to continue to challenge that. What is it to to love each other really well here? And so we don't want people. We don't want people to come and just simply consume. We want you to know that your role in the body is incredibly important. What you have to give is incredibly significant. And so whether it's doing the sound at the back with the kids, tea and coffee, we want to make sure there's a, there's an area, there's a place for you to give and to serve and to love one another really well. And so there's environments where we still where we still could do with with your help, with your serving, with your love, and uh, and so if you can offer any of your time, any of your talent to the to the kids, to this to the rock Sunday with the older ones, like if you are an older Christian, like don't feel like that puts can put you off from offering your wisdom and experience the kids. If you've traveled mission all over the world for 12 years in Venezuela, like don't think that you can't offer your services <laughs> to, the, to the kids. Like, that's just an example. Uh, I'm not pointing out, I'm just, any experience, like anything, anywhere you've been, anything you have to offer our kids, uh, we, would, we would really value that. And so this idea of, of being missional, it's an incredibly... Uh, high value for us. Again, 
If you haven't been with us, we've been going from at the start of this year, we've been going through our six values um, using the acronym SIMPLE. We've been going backwards. We started off a number of weeks ago with E, uh, everyone, every day, everywhere. We firmly believe in the priesthood of all believers, firmly believe in uh, everyone gets to play and that the kingdom of God can come at any moment in any sphere through anyone. And, um, and so we were encouraging you with that and using uh, the letter E. We talked about love. We used the up, in and out. We talked about love, um, loving God, loving one another and loving the world. And then last Sunday we talked about presence. Um, we, we talked about this presence paradigm that we are now people that carry, those of us that have said yes to Jesus, he lives in us, Christ in us, Christ in me, the hope of glory. He now lives in us. And so we carry the presence of God everywhere we go. Like that is huge. Like if that, if that can get from here to here, that could transform our lives and those around us when we believe that we carry the presence of God into every conversation, into every environment, into every place that we go, we carry the presence of God. And we talked about how the presence of God was discovered in worship, and in repentance, in prayer, in looking after the poor, in stepping out in faith and in trust, we discover his presence. And so this morning we're going to talk about, we're going to go on to the letter M, we'll talk about, uh, about being missional. As I've already said, I've already um, talked about the importance of, of being missional even here on a Sunday, being missional with one another. Paul talks to the church in Galatia. Uh, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 10, he says, Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others. And so as, the, as David announced this morning, somebody needed to go with Pauline to help the kids upstairs. We would love it that there be you, you're, you would be so missional that you would do what Paul said. You would take every opportunity to be a blessing to others. As we go about, uh, as we go about our Sunday mornings, as we go about just life with one another, we would take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others. And he goes on to say, Paul, especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. That's why it's really important that we work this out among one another. Take advantage of every opportunity to be a blessing to others, especially to our brothers and sisters in the family of faith. It's guaranteed. It's the guaranteed mission technique, the guaranteed mission technique that Jesus offers. Love one another, and in loving one another, people will see. The world will take notice when we do that. Uh, just before Christmas, we talked a lot about uh, we talked a lot about how Jesus came and dwelt among us. The incarnational method of Jesus is one that we are striving to here. I think for all of the values that we are ta- that we've talked about already, and all of the values that we will talk about today and the next two weeks, they apply to all of us personally and corporately. I think it's really important. Like what we're saying here applies to you in your own individual 
a journey with Jesus, but it also applies to us as we work this out together. And so as like as one that is following Jesus, I'm wanting to live a life that is like Jesus, incarnational, living among the people as he did. As I think about it corporately, I want us to be a church that doesn't, that we're not just some silo. We're not just out doing our little thing here, us in our small corner and everybody else doing their own thing. Know what it would be like to be a church that dwells among the people. And Jesus is our model. Jesus is always our model. He dwelt, he came and dwelt among us. John 1 verse 14. His method was incarnational so much more than it was attractional. See, the attractional model, one that I think most of us are familiar if we've grown up in church or if we had any experience of church at all, it's been an attractional model. It's, it's put something on and said, come and see. But the method of Jesus was to, to go and tell, to go and dwell. To go and dwell among people was the method of Jesus and it's the method for us as individual followers of Jesus, but as a corporate gathering as well. I had intended to, I had intended to use this example um, even before Ruth and Simon came with, to, to be with us last week. But uh, Ruth and others have, have, like Ruth could probably do a better job of talking to missional talk than I could. There's a group of people just like, n- truly dwelt among the people, serving a part of Portadown, uh, that very few people, the very few churches were serving, the very few people were going and dwelling among the people. And I remember I remember being somewhere, and I think it was Helen was, was uh, using uh, this language that has just continued, like it was probably seven or eight years ago that I heard her say this. Um, but the reputation that they had gathered because they just continued to go and serve the kids uh, into Grafaki Road and poured it down. The language that the people started to use of them was that they were no longer outsiders coming in. And I, and I, and honestly, I just find that language so beautiful. Like I'd love that to be said of, I'd love that to be said of me. I'd love that to be said of us. We are no longer outsiders coming in because we're just dwelling among the people. We're just living among them. We're just loving them where they're at. We're just serving them no matter what they've done, no matter what they have been through. We're just going to love them and serve them and dwell among them and no longer outsiders coming in. I think that's what it truly is to to engage with culture rather than simply pointing the finger. David quoted John 3.16, read from John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave and so often we miss John 3:17. He did not come to appoint an accusing finger at where they'd gone wrong, but he came to set the world right. He didn't come to stand from the outside, point at all that they'd done wrong, and once they've got it right, then you can come in and be a part of us. That's not what Jesus did. It's not what the girls did as they served the people and poured it down. As they served these kids and these families. They went and they dwelt right in among them. They engaged with them rather than pointing the finger. And I think that is a real challenge to us in the missional moment that we find ourselves in. 
See, we need to be so much more adaptable, I think, than we've ever been. Like I looked back at my notes. I looked back at my notes from five years ago whenever we first talked uh, around this idea of being missional. And a lot has changed in five years. Like culture, has, culture is moving very fast. It's becoming very, it's changing very quickly. And honestly, there's a challenge to us as the church. And it's why it's so important for us to dwell among the people because we need to be so much more adaptable. We need to be so much more flexible to the change of our culture. And that never means that we have to compromise. Don't think that that's ever what I'm saying. We don't have to compromise. Adaptability and flexibility does not mean compromise. See, I think we, we've turned, I said to Neville this morning, we have turned this, the idea of repentance into a religious uh, church word. Whenever Jesus used that language, it was metanoia. It was to change. It was a complete transformation. It was a complete changing of the mind. And so I just think we need to be more comfortable with, with the idea of change. We need to be more ready to adapt, never to compromise. We have a, like David's talking about story. We have a better story. The story that we have been entrusted with, the story that we have is a better story. And I think that if all we have to say is the Bible says no, the Bible says stop that, the Bible says don't do that, we're telling, not only are we not telling all of the message, but we're telling the smaller part of the message. If all we're going to go into the world with is saying, no, don't do that, stop that, we're not going with the full message. We're not bringing the good news. We're, that's not, that doesn't sound to me like beautiful feet bringing the good news of Jesus to people who need it. And I'm not saying those things aren't important. That's why I'm saying it's the smaller part of the message. But if that's all that we have to say, if all of that is what we have to say, that doesn't sound like good news that the world, that this changing, confused, uncertain culture needs. And so the challenge, again, this is the challenge that I am wrestling through with. Have I antagonized a worldly culture rather than engaging with it for the sake of the gospel? Have I antagonized it? Have I created further division? Have I built further barriers? Have I built bigger fences? In my no, don't do that, stop that, that's wrong. Or have I, like Paul did, I'm convinced Paul did this geniusly. Is that a word? Paul did this incredibly well rather than antagonize a worldly culture by creating barriers and divisions. He so understood the message of the cross was to break down. He says that in Ephesians 2, doesn't he? To break down every barrier, to break down every wall of hostility and make the two one. And so Paul says, um, Paul engages with the culture for the sake of the gospel. Let, let's, let me go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. If you want to go there, please do. I think this is uh, a really important, really important verse. I think Paul's teaching here is really important for us. Because I am convinced that 
Jesus is our example, but also Paul in how we engage the culture for the sake of the gospel. He says, um, this, this gets a bit wordy, but, but try and follow along here as best as we can. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win the Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, so as to win those under the law. Just not know where I am. Verse 19, sorry. Verse 19 in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm at 21. To those not having the law, I became the one not having the law, so as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men, so that by all possible means I might save some. I do all of this for the sake of the gospel, that I might share in its blessings. I am so challenged by this. I'm so challenged by, the, by what Paul is saying here. I'm so challenged by the possible implications of this. And we're not going to talk about it this morning, but I'd love so, I would love like us to be so provoked by this that it would begin conversations. What about this? Well, what about, what about this, people? What about doing this? I'd love that that would start those conversations as we consider what it would be like to engage the culture for the sake of the gospel. To engage those that are that are the same as us? How do we engage with those for, in order to win them? To engage those, what would it be like to, to be like those not having the law in order to win them? What would it be like to win those, to, to win those that are weak? What would it be like to be weak in order to win them? Like this, the, the implications of this, the conversations that could be stirred from this method alone um, could be really significant for us in your own personal walk with Jesus, but also as we think of the, of the possibilities for us as, as a church. I'm going to say it again. It is really important that you know that we have a better story. We have a better story. So don't need to go, we don't need to go in and say into the world saying, stop that, don't do that, that's wrong. We have an alternative story. We have a better story to come with story that more about what we are for than what we are against. John 5 verse 17. You've heard me say this many times. I think for the moment that we find ourselves in as followers of Jesus, I think it's important for us to understand that the Father is always working. Jesus himself said it about his Father in John 5, 17, my Father is always at work to this very day. Right now, the Father is working. And so there's something about that that gives me really, uh, gives me a lot of confidence. See, God is on mission. See, we don't have to come up with our ideas and then try and twist God, God's arm to come and, and be a part of what we're doing. Like that's, 
that's exhausting. That will, that will drain our energy. It will drain our resources. It will drain our time. If we are just coming up with our own ideas and then coming to God and say, God, look what we've done. Isn't this good? Will you come and bless this? We think this is a really good idea and we think you should come and bless this. And we don't need to do that because the Father is always working. And it's why we've given so much attention to prayer. And it's why I think we, we will, the, the day that we do not give attention to prayer, focus on prayer, prayer being central, is, is the day that we really need to take a deep look inwards, personally and corporately. The joy is that we get to be a part of what he is already doing. Jesus again said towards the end of, towards the end of John, Chapter 20, he said, as the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And so the model of Jesus was to go off to a solitary place, pray all night at times, so that he would hear what the Father was saying, see what the Father was doing. That is really important, because I think we, I have done it, we have done it, that we go off and do our own thing, say our own thing without hearing from God. And prayer is really important because I, I don't want to say that Jesus is my example, that Jesus is the model that I'm following after and then live a life completely opposite to what he modeled. He modeled that he would only do what he heard, seen the Father do and only say what he'd seen the Father, heard the Father say. And that's why prayer is so important. And dad reminded us of that and at the castle on Friday morning as he spoke of the good shepherd. And they're desperate to be a sheep that, that knows his voice. Longing that all of us would be people that would know his voice. Know his voice, listen to his voice and follow his voice. See the mission the mission of God it becomes so much more accessible. It becomes so much less burdensome when we've heard his voice. We know where he's working, when we know what he's saying, when we've listened to it and understood it and followed it. God is on mission. And I love the language that Paul then begins to use, that we are co-heirs. We are co-heirs with Jesus. We are co-laborers with Jesus. And we are on a co-mission. We are on a co-mission with Jesus. So we're very familiar with the Great Commission to go into all the world, to bring good news. But I just love this idea that actually just to break that word up, that, it's, that we are co-laborers with Jesus. We're co-heirs with Jesus and we are on a co-mission with him. In his wisdom, he has... He has decided to partner with us. And, uh, and so finally, let me, just, let me just land this with sharing a, sharing a quick story from Acts chapter 10. I wanted to read the whole story, but I would encourage you to do it this afternoon if you have time. Um, read through Acts chapter 10. Read through the vision that Peter has. Peter was one who, who's, who assumed that his building of fences, that his building of barriers, of keeping people out and keeping people in was pleasing to the Lord. 
And so when the Lord came and spoke to him in a trance, he came and said, Peter, kill and eat. But Paul, Peter's tradition was more important. Peter's tradition trumped the voice of God. And so God needed to come three or four times maybe and say, Peter, you're not listening. These barriers that you've set up, that's, that's not what I intended. You need to hear me. You need to listen to my voice. If we're, if we're, not, a, if we're not willing to change, if we become so resistant to change, if we become so unflexible, unadaptable, we could miss. Like what Peter would have missed out on? What would have been missed out on if Peter had not finally submitted to what the Lord was saying? And so he needed to hear from the Lord. He needed to shift. He needed to shift from antagonizing a worldly culture to engaging it for the sake of the gospel. And so Cornelius Cornelius had got the attention of the Lord. This is where God was at work. He was at work in the life of Cornelius and his family. And so he wanted, to, he wanted Peter to know where he was already working. Peter, forget of all your bias. Forget about all your prejudice. Forget about all your tradition. This is where I am at work. You need to listen. You need to know my voice. You need to listen to it. You need to follow it. And he ends up in the house of someone that he should never have been in the home of. He ended up bringing the, the good news of Jesus to people that he never would have associated with. The tradition that religion told him that he should not go near. But he went to places that nobody else would go to because God had revealed what he was doing. God had revealed to him where he was already at work. And he said to Peter, I'm inviting you in on this. You have a chance to be a part of this co-mission. I'm inviting you in on this. To be my co-laborer. To be my co-heir. To join with me in this co-mission of seeing this man and his household and his people coming to understand the good news of Jesus. And so I'm hoping there's some challenge for us there. I think the story of Peter is, and, and Cornelius is really important for us. I think it's really significant for us, actually, in the, in the cultural moment that we find ourselves in. I think it's really important for us to ask lots of questions from this. What it, does it actually look like to engage culture for the sake of the gospel? With the confidence that God is already on mission. And if we would pause, if we would rejoice and we would ask and we would yield, we would know his voice and we would know what he's saying. And as we gather together to pray, we would know what he's doing. We would know where he is working. And we would see something that took place in the home of Cornelius, take place in the homes and the families in the communities around us. And so his mission in this world is to create a church, is to create a people where God's will is lived out by all of God's people.
That's the Father's deepest longing. I'm convinced of it. That his will will be lived out. His will for the church. His will for us as individual followers of Jesus. Will be lived out by all of his people. And so Father I just pray that you would help us just to continue to. To, to make sense of what's going on around us. Holy Spirit, we're so in need of you. Thank you that it seems that Cornelius was already on a bit of a journey. But Peter came and Introduced them to the to the person of the Holy Spirit, and the home was filled. So God, I pray that you would so fill our lives that we just inevitably come before you, seeking what you're doing, what you're saying. And the overflow of relationship with you would, would inevitably impact those around us. Father, as a church that you would so fill this place that we would become so aware of you that we would inevitably, it would inevitably spill out onto the streets as we join with you on your mission. And so God, I pray that you we would find uh, we would find people of peace in this community. Father, we would find a, people that are desperate for the good news of Jesus. Father, I pray that you forgive us for the times we've maybe not offered the full picture of who you are. God, forgive us for the times when we thought our expression of love was to point an accusing finger and say, point out people's wrong and their faults. God, where your, your posture was of such love that you came to dwell among, to sit around a table, to invite people in and to set them right. And so Jesus, I pray that you would once again and capture us with, uh, with your ways with your words, with your expression of love and kindness and mercy. Jesus would be so we'd be so caught up in the mission of God that we we want to bring good news. God I pray, God as David has already shared that story, God I pray for beautiful fate for us all. Could we leave this place with beautiful feet, bringing the good news 
of Jesus from the mountains to the valleys. Those that are in the desert, those that are facing raging seas. God, your presence, your presence would cover us. Your presence, God, would be filled and we'd be sent. Got a reputation among this place that you so love. Oh God, you so love this place. And I pray that we would not be seen as outsiders coming in. Holy Spirit, would you teach us? Awaken us to the mission of God. Fill our hearts with your compassion. Father, what we do would never be out of duty, but it would be out of delight. Thank you, Lord.